This is the Poison Terminator podcast. My name is Carlo Diolan. Today we're going to talk about the dead cat mushroom. The dead cat mushroom is responsible for most deaths among cases of non-edible mushroom poisoning. Today we're joined by Cat Adams, who's an expert on dead cat mushrooms. She will tell us how to recognize dead cat mushroom poisoning and tips to stay safe when foraging for mushrooms. Kat is a PhD candidate in the Plant and Microbial Biology program at the University of California at Berkeley. She's also a science journalist and has published articles in Slate and BBC Earth. Welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Kat, how do dead cat mushrooms look like? Yeah, so the dead cat mushroom is a beautiful mushroom. It's an Amanita, which is a genus that has a couple pretty diagnostic traits to it. So at the bottom of the mushroom, there's a feature that's sort of like a bulb. We call it the vulva. And at the top of the mushroom, there's a sort of membrane that wraps the mushroom. So they start as little balls that expand. And as the mushroom expands, you get some of the membrane left on the bottom and some on top. And so the part at the bottom we call the vulva, the part at the top we call the universal veil. The mushroom can be rather greenish. So if you find a, a mushroom that has this membrane at the top and the bottom, and it's a sort of metallic olive green color, that's the pretty typical death cap. Other things to look for are the color of the spores. They should be white. There's going to be an, another little ring around the top of the stem, and that's something called the partial veil that protects the spores until the spores are ready to shoot out of the mushroom. And then I think those are, those are the main characteristics I would go with. The color can be really variable, though, and so you really want to make sure that you have the right species because a misidentification with this one can be very dangerous. Does the dead mm-hmm. mushroom uh, have a, a, a taste or a, a smell? Yeah, so I've collected a lot of death caps over the years now, and I would say that the smell of a a death cap that's starting to go bad is sort of like rotting potatoes. I really don't like the smell, but there's been a lot of reports of people that have accidentally eaten it that say that it is actually a delicious mushroom. So it can be a bit of a misnomer that something that tastes good to us can be so deadly, but apparently that is the case. Where uh, do we usually find uh, this mushroom? Yeah, good question. So, so my old advisor, Ann Pringle, who's now at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, was the first to figure out that this species, the death cap, has actually been moved by humans. So it's only originally found in Europe. So it grew and evolved in Europe. And then sometime before the 1930s, humans accidentally brought the death cap to the west coast of the United States. And from there, it's been spreading. It's still spreading down into Mexico and up in British Columbia into the Simon Fraser River Valley. And it's since been brought to every other continent except Antarctica. So it's really all over the place. Can we find uh, this uh, mushroom uh, close to uh, rivers or um, let's say uh, close to a, uh, to a road? Yeah, it is rather weedy, so because it is a non-native, an invasive species, it does tend to grow in places that have been really disturbed. 
So at our sets in Point Reyes National Park in California, it is very common to find it along the roads. And we've even found it in a nearby park right by all the picnic benches where people sit and eat lunches. It'll be growing, popping up right next to the trees all around the picnic areas. So it can definitely be in places that people are often going themselves. How do uh, dead cat mushrooms uh, induce their toxic effects? Yeah, good question. So the death cap has two different sets of toxins. There's the amatoxins and the phallotoxins. And the ones that really matter for humans are the amatoxins. And so what they do, when you eat a death cap, it will not cause you any symptoms while it's still in your stomach. But eventually, once you digest it and the toxins get into your bloodstream, they can get into your liver through the liver receptors on the outside of your liver. And then once inside, They go into the nucleus, the part of the cell where all your DNA is stored, and the amatoxins bind to the protein that makes other proteins in your cell. It's called RNA polymerase 2. But essentially what happens is once your liver can't make new proteins, it starts shutting down, and then you get really, really sick. So people get really bad stomach and abdominal cramps. They get super watery diarrhea, lots of stomach pains, you know, maybe headaches. And depending on how much they ate and how hydrated they are, they can get really sick really fast. The thing that can be kind of tricky, though, is that because nothing happens while it's still in your stomach, the symptoms are delayed a little bit. So it's usually at least 6 to 24 hours after you eat the mushrooms that you really start to notice that you're sick. And I think that doesn't help people when they're trying to figure out why they feel sick. So knowing that those symptoms can be delayed is really important for figuring out what happened to you. Can you describe the lethal effects of uh, dead cat mushrooms? Yeah, so what happens eventually, if your liver is really, really damaged, you get super sick. And another thing that goes wrong is if you're not super hydrated, the toxins can also accumulate in your kidneys. And so without your kidneys and without your liver, you get pretty rapid organ failure and eventually you'll, you'll fall into a coma and you'll die. So it's a really rough way to go. But the good news is that there is a clinical treatment now that seems to be very effective. Um, and someone I know named Todd Mitchell, Dr. Todd Mitchell at Santa Cruz, is working on a clinical trial to treat people that get poisoned by mushrooms that have amatoxins. And the compound that they use is derived from the milk thistle plant It's called psilobinin, and it basically just sits on your liver receptors and blocks them from the amatoxins so the toxins can't get in. And then as long as you're really well hydrated, and they'll usually give you an IV hydration, you'll make sure you're really hydrated, then you actually just pass the toxins out when you urinate, and then you're hunky-dory, good to go. And it seems to be really, really effective, but it's just hard for people to know it exists because it's still in clinical trial. So because these toxins are so dangerous, no one can volunteer for this sort of trial. They have to just wait until people get accidentally poisoned and then give them the treatment and wait until they get a big enough sample size to show that the treatment is definitely effective. Dead cat mushroom poisoning is sometimes uh, misdiagnosed as uh, gastroenteritis. Uh, how can we differentiate one condition from the other? That is a very good question, and I think... 
Gastroenteritis or stomach flu can be really serious in the same way that a mushroom poisoning can be really serious. So like for any sort of sickness, if you're acutely sick for a couple days, I would highly recommend that you go to the ER. And to try to tell the difference, I think the biggest recommendation I have is to just be aware of what you're eating. Because if you have an idea of what might have caused your sickness, whether it's food poisoning that you might have picked up at a sort of shady restaurant or maybe maybe not a shady restaurant, but a place that you suspect for whatever reason might have been the cause of your sickness versus maybe you were camping with some people and they picked mushrooms and you ate them. Just being aware of what you put in your body, I think, can help figure, can help determine what caused the problems. What's tricky is a lot of the symptoms are pretty similar. So it's things like, you know, really bad stomach pains and diarrhea and vomiting. And so going to the doctor is important because once you're there, they can run tests. And it would be really important for you to tell them that you've eaten mushrooms that could have been misidentified so that they can test whether or not there's amatoxins in your urine or your blood. And that way they know how to treat that, which will be very different from how they would treat gastroenteritis. Is it important to, to bring a mushroom with us to the ER if we ingested the poisonous mushroom? Yeah, so if you are pretty sure you've ingested a poisonous mushroom, if you can bring the mushroom with you, it helps with the identification. So I've been emailed a couple of times and my advisor gets emailed a lot from doctors who are treating patients that have eaten mushrooms and they will send us photos of those mushrooms so that we can determine whether or not it seems to be one that has amatoxins, which are probably the most dangerous toxins, or something that's less dangerous that's going to cause just stomach upset and diarrhea for a couple of days, but not rapid organ failure. So having pictures is great. Taking good pictures of mushrooms is trickier than it sounds because we need not just a photo of, you know, at the top of the mushroom, but also the underside of the cap and some other small features like that, depending on how big the mushroom is and how much we can tell from the photos. But yeah, if you can bring it to the ER, we can also do a DNA test on it pretty quick and figure out for sure what it is. How long is it before one feels the effect of a dead cat mushroom poisoning? These pups are tricky as poisons because they have a pretty delayed response in how people get sick. So because it really has to go through your stomach, be absorbed, get into your bloodstream, and then the amatoxins can get into your liver and start accumulating there. There's a delay of at least 6 to 24 hours, maybe even a little bit longer than that, depending on how big you are and how much of the mushrooms you ate before you really start to notice that you got sick. And I think that delay in symptoms is part of why it's so tricky for people to figure out what is causing the problems because they might not always associate being sick now with something that they ate a day, a day and a half ago. So that's part of why it's so tricky to figure out what's happened to people. Can uh, dead cap toxins be absorbed through the skin? Luckily, no. Death caps can't be absorbed through the skin. So, so even though they can't be absorbed through the skin, I do wear gloves when I'm collecting them in the field, but that's mostly so that I can remove the gloves afterwards and not have to worry about having anything on my hands before I eat anything. So the big thing is just to know that 
Once you handle a death cat mushroom, it's not going to get through your skin, but you should definitely wash your hands thoroughly with hot soap and water afterwards before you eat anything with those hands. Do uh, death cat uh, particles uh, affect us if we, if we inhale them? That is a really good question. So there have been reports that the spores themselves have very tiny amounts of amatoxins in them. And so it is conceivable that if you were to huff a whole lot of death cap spores, you might get sick that way. But I don't think there's any actual reported cases of that happening. Something that would be a lot more dangerous, which is what I do in the lab on a regular basis, which is grinding the mushrooms up so I can measure the toxins in the mushrooms. And for that, I definitely do it in a chemical fume hood and I'm wearing goggles and a really good high quality respirator and I have a lab coat and gloves on to really protect myself because if I were to inhale the ground up fine powdered mushroom, that could definitely make me sick. Tell us of uh, misconceptions people have about uh, dead cat mushrooms. Yeah, and by misconceptions, do you mean how they might mix the death cap up with other species or just misconceptions about its general biology or ecology or something like that? Uh, I mean, like, uh, you know, I've read in the article you wrote that um, people uh, boil um, death cap mushroom to, to remove the toxin and they uh, also <laughs> freeze and freeze it to, to, re to remove the toxins. Yeah, so these toxins are really tough. So they're cyclic compounds. So there's this little sulfur bridge in the middle of the compound um, that's, that's part of tryptophan, which is the thing in Turkey that people think makes them sleepy. It's not really, but that chemical structure of the toxin makes them really, really hard to break down. So we don't have anything in our stomach that can break down the toxins. And they're really, really heat-stable. So you're right, like nothing that we can do in terms of baking them or boiling them or like trying to grill them on a barbecue will break down any of those amatoxins. And similarly, there, I've read a case of someone that picked a bunch of mushrooms and put them in the freezer, and then they took them out something like eight months later, cooked them up and ate them and got sick from them. So because they're so thermodynamically stable, there's not really anything we can do to make the mushrooms safe to eat. They're just always going to be very poisonous. Do you know of anything that uh, people do wrong when they come into contact with uh, dead cat mushrooms? Yeah, good question. I would definitely advise against eating small immature mushrooms because a small immature mushroom, um, what we might call a button, so that's before it expands from the little membrane that's surrounding it, uh, a death cap button can look a lot like an edible agaricus button or an edible patty straw mushroom button, which is a really common mushroom throughout Asia that grows with rice patties. And that is definitely a mushroom that some people have mistaken the death cap for in the Bay Area and then accidentally been poisoned by death caps thinking it was the patty straw. Do you have uh, any tips for people foraging for uh, mushrooms? Yeah, foraging for mushrooms is really fun. It gets you out in nature, it gets you moving your body, it gets you paying attention to the stuff around you. 
but I would really recommend going with a mycological club. So one of the groups of people that are sometimes called amateur mycologists or citizen scientists, these people can know a lot about mushrooms and they can teach you a lot and they'll be happy to teach you a lot. And so there's no reason that anyone has to eat something that they're not 100% sure what the identity is because people will love to help you figure out what it is. I think there are some mushrooms that are a lot easier to start with. Amanitas are a high-risk genus because there's some that are really, really choice edibles, you know, that are delicious and highly sought after, and others like the death cap or the destroying angels that are super poisonous. So if you're just starting out, stick to things like chanterelles or chicken of the woods or maybe like hedgehog mushrooms which have little spines on the bottom of the cap. And there, because there are some mushrooms like those that are just a lot easier to identify and that don't have deadly lookalikes. So start with the easy ones. And then as you build your knowledge and are working with people that definitely know what they're doing, then you could add in some of the more risky ones. When you're 100% sure you know what they are. Why did you choose to do research on uh, dead cap mushrooms? Yeah, I think the death cap is a really interesting system for a couple of reasons. So it's an invasive species. So it's a species that humans accidentally brought from one place to another, and we don't know how it's impacting the flora or the fauna in its introduced ranges like California. And it's also super, super poisonous. So I've worked with invasive species, and I, uh, um, as an undergrad and for my master's, I worked with wild chili peppers and why the chilies make spice, which it turns out is to protect themselves from pathogenic fungi, so fungi that cause disease on the seeds. And so I think the death cap is a cool system because it sort of combines a bunch of previous projects that I've worked on, at least theoretically, and gives, gives me like a really great reason to ask a bunch of interesting questions. So for example, why are mushrooms poisonous? We don't actually know. We don't know why the toxins evolved. We don't know whether the toxins are targeting microbes like bacteria or little tiny protists or if they're to protect themselves against insects. I doubt it's to protect themselves against animals because these tinier things are just more of a, a general ubiquitous threat than animals are. But with the death cap, we can start to ask that. And so I started a citizen science project last, last year and I'm hoping to really ramp it up this year, trying to get people to take pictures of death caps by cutting them in half and just looking for insect damage inside the mushroom. Because my hypothesis is that since the death cap evolved in Europe and it co-evolved there with other insects and microbes and things that have co-evolved tolerance to the toxins, I'm suspecting that there's going to be a lot more insect damage in the mushrooms in Europe, where the death cap is native to, compared to, say, California, where we know it's been introduced. And that is something that is a fundamental question in biology, you know, like why is a mushroom poisonous, that we can start to answer with this system because it's a poisonous mushroom that we know has been brought around the world. So that is pretty cool. Is there anything you would like to add? I would encourage people to learn more about mushrooms because they're really, really fun. And there are a lot of really good edibles out there. I think there's probably more edible mushrooms than there are, or at least 
there are probably more poisonous plants than there are poisonous mushrooms, but we don't know as much about mushrooms, so we think that they're scarier. Mushrooms are actually really cool. And if you're interested in trying to answer questions like, why are mushrooms poisonous? I encourage you to check out my blog. It's sciencesmetal.com. I've got some tips there on the Citizen Science Project with lots of background, and we'll be adding more as fall starts up and mushrooms start popping up again. You can look for death caps in places that are watered, like university campuses or graveyards or parks. They might pop up there. And then you can remove a poisonous mushroom and help science understand a little bit more about why mushrooms are poisonous. Kat, thank you so much for taking the time to answer our questions today. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. That was Kat Adams. Kat is a PhD candidate in the Plant and Microbial Biology program at the University of California at Berkeley. She's also a science journalist and has published articles in Slate and BBC Earth. That's all for today. I'm the Poison Terminator. I will be back next week with another episode. Have a great day.